0: welcome back to ma'am podcast episode four we are here today to talk about jobs
1: our favorite topic i think as friends to i I, i'm going to use a phrase that my that my um roommates and i have been using which is do discourse instead of talking about something if you're having a big conversation we do discourse about it (laughs) So like if someone has something to talk about for class or like, you know, a topic that they just got to really rant about in heavy detail, we say, who wants to come do discourse on the patio? So we're here to do discourse (laughs) about the labor market. But before we do that, we simply must tie up some loose ends. Oh, here we go. Abby would like to clarify that she knows October, however, is the 10th month of the year.
0: I know that it is the 10th month of the year. I just got a little confused because of the prefix oct, meaning eight, like an octagon. And, you know, I think in the days of Augustus, whoever, you know, that Roman emperor, it was the eighth month. And then somebody decided we need to add some more months. So at one point in time, that was correct. But now it's not correct.
1: My own loose end I've got to tie up here is Zoom University because I've been at Zoom University for about four weeks now. It is a lot more hectic than I imagined it would be. I think that my suspicion that professors would ramp up workloads because we didn't have as much, you know, in-person FaceTime was a correct assumption. Like I definitely can see you know, reading load, assignment load. Last year I didn't have, you know, like sporadic assignments throughout the semester at all I felt like, but this year it's like assignments are due every single week. I've had four tests already, which seems really crazy. I've got another one today. So, that's been happening. But the the silver lining of all of this, I feel like, is I'm saving so much time because there is no none of that stuff that happens in between your days, in between classes is going on, right? Like you don't have to figure out where you're gonna sit for an hour in between classes. You don't have to figure out where you're going to eat lunch, where you're gonna sit in the library. Then you run into people and chat with them during the middle of the day. Like all of those things take time away from your performing of tasks. And now it's so simple. Like you just wake up, you open your laptop, you go to Zoom University. You close your laptop, you do your reading for Zoom University. It's so easy. So there is that benefit to it. And the last part of my tangent that I'll say is that the technical difficulties are so real. Like so, so real. And I feel bad for a lot of my professors who haven't quite figured out how to set things up. So in one of my classes, for example, we have all these reports due. And we asked our professor what are the due dates for those? Because there's not a due date in the syllabus. And he was like, "Ah, you know, I'm very laissez-faire. And we were like, okay. Did he really say those words? I'm not even joking, Abby. He said, I am very laissez-faire. And then he called himself a libertarian. And we were like, okay, but we do need a due date at some point. He's like, ah, October, November, whenever you want. (laughs) And we said, okay, we also have to respond to our classmates' reports, so where are we going to post those for, like, discussion and to see what other people wrote? And he was like, I do not know. Could you do it for me? <laughs> and there, was like, and there was this girl, I think her name was Lena, and he was like, before our class ended, he's like, okay, Lena, we'll set it up. Um, looking forward to it, Lena, have a good day. And... But, like, the thing that oh my God. she had to set up was something that's only specific on, like, only something the professor can see. So I'm really not sure what Lena's doing here. I don't know.
0: Oh, my God. Poor Lena. <laughs> Poor
1: Lena. Little does Lena know, but she you now has this as a duty. And, you know, I love this professor so much. What a wonderful man. But those are my own personal ends to tie up, is that Zoom U is kicking. We're in week four. And... um Things are honestly not looking too bad right now. That's good. Thank you. Sorry for my extremely, (laughs) extremely long winded tangent.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm probably going to go on a tangent or seven today about the job hunt and the job market, so it will all balance out.
1: Kind of give everyone a bit of an overview i suppose for why we've selected jobs as the fourth episode theme a lot of people are starting new jobs right now in addition to starting their school semesters back up or they're on the hunt for jobs especially recent graduates from last year and abby is in fact on the job hunt
0: it's exhausting i am very diligent about a little excel spreadsheet i have of like. Where have I applied? What day did I apply? Have they replied to me yet? So I am obsessed with my little Excel document. It's kind of satisfying to look at and be like, look at all of this, all these attempts I've made. And then other times it's like, wow, look at all of these unsuccessful attempts I have made. But I don't know how anyone could just like, if you're just willy nilly shooting off resumes and applying in portals, and sometimes you get a confirmation email and sometimes you don't, I feel like it would be so hard to know where you're at and who you're waiting to hear from
1: yeah I, I feel pretty similarly I've also adopted the very specific excel sheet method I don't keep track of correspondences as much as you do like I won't update my excel sheet for example if I get a response from one place a rejection from the other I kind of keep track of that in my head I suppose the volume of how many places you're applying to also influences that like if you're applying to 30 jobs then you've really got to keep track of that somewhere but all this to say in addition to the actual process of applying for things and in the process of writing applications. There's so much behind the scenes kind of infrastructure you have to create for yourself to make sure you're even doing all of it correctly in the first place because it's so easy to let some of these small things slip through the cracks it seems.
0: And that's part of why I have just hate all of that in general. I don't even know the whole scene of the job hunt because there's just so much pressure on everything to have all your T's crossed and I's dotted on an application and then special questions, a resume that you've sort of made specific to that place and maybe you need to change some of the buzzwords in your description so that it matches the AI reader thing. <laughs> And then you also need a specific cover letter that has key sentences changed so that it's really about this one place and you've dropped words from their mission statement in your paragraph so that it shows you, you know, know how to go to a website and... Make sure you have a writing sample and make sure that you save everything as a PDF and make sure you get references, even though that's so stressful. It's just so much. And like, theoretically, you could just have one thing that you'd pew, 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 throw everywhere, but it's not going to be successful. So you have to put in all of this detail work. And then I always just feel like there's so many tests in this. It's like, okay, sometimes there's optional questions. Those questions have never been optional. You have to do those questions.
1: It is not an option. Optional (laughs)
0: questions are a test. It's a test. And the first test is, did you take the option? Like, did you do it? And then it's like, okay, make sure that you write something in those questions, which you probably already addressed, like the meat of that Mm -hmm. in your cover letter. But please write it again, (laughs) but slightly differently, but not too differently. (laughs) Don't just copy paste it from your cover letter. You need to spice it up a little bit, but it should still have the same theme. And it's, oh my god, stop, leave me alone. How much do you want from me before you have even shown me any interest? That's the worst part, is you put all of this work in, and then places might just never want you. I've put in an hour or two of work for you Mm -hmm. to just never say anything to me. There's also test questions that are getting around things they can't explicitly ask you that are legitimately against laws. Can't ask people about specific parts of their identity, but you can make them feel like they have to answer questions about their identity because they've voluntarily disclosed if they are a veteran or their gender or their race. You don't have to, but you feel like you have to, or do you have reliable transportation? There's just so many tests in it. It feels sneaky to me
1: i agree with the tests and the hoops it reminds me of like when people even in friendships or interpersonal relationships or set those little traps for people in their lives you know and they're like i'm gonna do this thing and it's mm-hmm. an option but if my friend or relationship partner or family member doesn't pick up on this thing that was an option and they don't respond in the precise way i wanted them to snap there's an automatic problem that kind of gotcha. feels like that yeah like a gotcha moment but on an institutional level i'd almost say too mm-hmm. like i really I, I resonate with the point of you have to go through legitimately so much for all of these places with sometimes a low chance of payoff because you never know any positions people are actually hiring for or what they want their incoming class to look like so i would almost kind of rather send my cv out just have all jobs request your cv first see if it fits. And then if it does, and they're interested in really considering you or taking you for an interview, or then you move on to those other things. Although obviously I know we cannot magically change the way that the entire job market operates, but Mm-hmm. It would be nice, like you said, to know before I answer X, Y, Z, all of these extra questions. Am I even desired in this place of work? Do I have enough requisite experience? Do I have relevant experiences? Are my skill sets compatible with what this position requires? That I think is is a real difficulty. And I feel like for me, along with just the sheer volume of what you have to complete, I never feel prepared to submit something. If I'll write a cover letter and then I mm-hmm. think, Oh, there's probably 20 other better ways I could have written this. So let me explore all of those. And then let me call all of my friends who have (laughs) their own lives and let me ask them to read the same cover letter 15 times and give me the same feedback each time because I'm not resonating with it. And then let me submit it. But then it probably has a typo. So I'm going to download my application again and send myself into a complete firestorm panic, (laughs) rereading every single line which I have to say I recently last week recently submitted a job application and I did like the autofill for where your address is and instead of having my address in the address box it had address to written so (laughs) there we go (laughs) there we have it And I found this out through my downloaded application that I decided to review. And how I even got to that point shocks me because I had read that application perhaps 5,000 times before submitting it. But address two is thing that just, it just didn't click in my brain for some reason. I was so frustrated with myself. Long story short, we have some grievances with the job market.
0: So we thought that a nice way to get our audience involved would be because we know so many people have man moments in the workforce. We went on our Instagram and we asked our lovely listeners to share any stories they had about internships, job applications, the like, that made them say ma'am, and you all delivered. There were some great stories. It was very exciting to have so much engagement, so thank you for sending in your stories.
1: Now it's a community conversation.
0: So we thought we could just... Kind of talk about those in relation to some of the other, as I refer to them, general grievances (laughs) with the job search process. So we were kind of mentioning this with all of the crazy hoops that you have to jump through with make sure you answer these questions right so that the AI likes it and fill out these forms. Or we didn't even talk about when they want you to submit a resume and then they scan it and then you have to put all the things in the boxes in addition to a PDF resume.
1: Oh my God. You have
0: a weird face like you haven't experienced this. (laughs)
1: Anytime I have submitted things and then I discover an additional portal or an additional thing where I must fill in information that is in the resume in identical language, I want to start crying. I, I just, I simply can't.
0: But point is,
1: is that others have jumped through these hoops too.
0: One of our listeners, Dylan, said that they had this horrible experience with having to take a polygraph, which I don't know what type of job they're applying for, but that seems intense. I have been drug tested once and I had my fingerprints taken, but a polygraph seems intense. Mm-hmm.
1: Polygraph is for like serious government work, I feel.
0: Dylan said that they had to take a polygraph and it was freezing. They weren't allowed to wear a jacket, and the person who was administering the test kept telling them to like stop shivering. <laughs> And they're like getting in trouble for moving, which just sounds so mean. Give the poor person a coat. To clarify in Dylan's story, it's also January. So
1: it's not only cold outside and you know, but this on top of not being able to wear a jacket, obviously you are going to shiver, obviously.
0: Yeah. And then they just had to wait a long time and take it again because they failed, (laughs) of course. Which would just be so frustrating. And I feel like
1: it's in these cases where simple accommodations or like simple human nuance and judgment does so much benefit for us you know I I understand the purpose of having to keep things standardized for bureaucratic reasons or institutional reasons but I'm like can we give the poor man a coat can we can we allow him this much
0: didn't you get fingerprinted for something once and you were telling me you were like running all around and you needed me to vouch for you and all of this stuff? oh my goodness yes I had to get so last year I was applying for a job
1: where I had to go through a couple of security things but I did have to get fingerprints done and I got got the email that said I had to get my fingerprints done on Friday at 3pm and I was leaving the country for Canada the next morning. So it's Friday at 3pm. I had plans with my friends. Yeah, we were supposed to hang out, I think. Yeah, and I was like, guys can't be there. I gotta go on a goose chase. Where we were located at, it was difficult to find a place that did fingerprints on such short notice that also had the paper that I needed that also accepted walk-in appointments that was also, you know, open for business because it's a Friday afternoon and so many places close down early and I remember that day I think I drove to at least seven different DMVs in the span of like one hour (laughs)
0: <laughs> to try and find oh one, my God. and this
1: is what would happen. I would call a DMV before I got there, obviously, to be like, "Hey, do you do fingerprints?" And they'd be like, "Of course we do fingerprints. We're a police station, or we're the DMV, or blah blah blah." It was actually police stations. I don't. I don't think I was just going to DMVs. And I'd get there shockingly to all of these different places, and they were like, "I'm not sure who told you on the phone, but actually, we do not perform that service here, or we used to perform that service, oh my but God. as of a month ago, we don't." And some places I went to would just close down as soon as i got there or be like we're actually (laughs) we're actually closing early on this friday afternoon even though packing it in even though our website says we'll be open till five actually at four o'clock we decided to to pack up camp for the day it was horrendous and then finally finally after I think this was my seventh time I reached the place that could do my fingerprints but I had to bring my own special paper and I sat there and waited I think probably in tears in the teeny Mm. tiny hallway of a waiting room while my father sped through the city to go find the paper and drop it off you know all of this said I probably could have gotten it done in Canada but then I was like no there's gonna be a whole other thing wrong with that process you know it's, it's gonna be a whole thing yeah
0: well, because then it'd be like done by Canadian government so it might be a problem yeah and I
1: was like you know the consulate could do it but what if they can't and what if I have to go to you know a city that's three hours away on the train like just such yeah. a little situation all because the email was sent Friday at 3 p.m all I have to say is thank god I read that email because otherwise I yeah would be in deep trouble
0: that's the other kind of hoop that I feel like I always see is there's this expectation that you need to jump and basically be like, oh, could they tell you to jump? And you'd be like, how high? Immediately. <laughs> when they send you an email at 3 p.m. on a Friday. Oh, yeah, we need this done by tomorrow. Or they give you two interview options. And if you work or you have literally any other commitment, it's hard. And it's just unfair that there's this expectation that you will bend over backwards to meet their schedule. Or even that
1: you you can
0: That's why I think that like all the professional rules about common courtesy and these expectations are fake because it's just all the expectations are on the applicant and there's no repercussions if they are late for meetings or they don't respond to your emails promptly, but you're supposed to. Yeah,
1: I would I even think I see that at at Zoom University sometimes, if you email a professor about an appointment for something they're like, great, we can either do this time on a Tuesday or or 3 p.m. on a Friday when like you already have something that conflicts. It just, whenever something like that happens, it's so frustrating because you want to obviously make your time available, but I feel like there has to be, especially in the job market, it it has to be a two-way street. It's two people. We have to respect each other's timetables and each other's schedules and what would be terrific is, not that I necessarily want to do this as a job, but something that makes this application process easier for other people, I think would be an extremely worthwhile thing to participate in. Is there a survey I can fill out or a feedback (laughs) form that goes to the job market?
0: Um, Right. (laughs) I would like to offer. I have some notes for the job
1: market. (laughs) I like to offer my feedback. That said, I will jump through literally any hoop, literally any of them.
0: I won't. Um, uh, it would be fun to talk about some of the ridiculous questions that we have experienced in interviews where you're like, oh, what's happening now? and you have no time. <laughs> to think one of our listeners katya said that she was asked once to invent a color just in the middle of an interview which i don't know what that means and i don't think she did either i don't
1: even know how i would approach answering that i think i'd be like do you want me to invent a name for a color or describe to you the color that is in my head that does exist but i don't have the precise name for like an eggshell or a buttercup yellow
0: which is already a (laughs) color like you're only describing it in relation to other colors one
1: of my other friends that i saw like two weeks ago was telling me a similar story when she was being interviewed for something and they were like if you were a color what color would you be and why? Which I would totally get as a question if you were in a creative field of work where you would have to Mm -hmm. communicate about something like that on a regular basis. But in this case, she was interviewing for something that was really related to like advocacy and policy. Mm -hmm. We were like, why was that the question that was decided?
0: I'm unsure. One of my friends who defends a lot of HR, what I believe HR nonsense, because I don't think that management as a field of study is real. I think it's really fake. (laughs) So we have fights. this this all the time, but one of the kind of justifications for a lot of weird questions that they give me is that it's not so much that your answer matters, it matters that how you explain your thinking with it. Okay, sure, but we don't need to ask people what their greatest weakness is because it's just gross, and I and hate. And
1: also, it. that answer is canned. Nobody has ever, I feel like, given yeah. a real, honest assessment of what their biggest weakness is and been vulnerable in that moment. There's pressure to put a positive spin on it. We go into mm-hmm. these things knowing that we have to be as impressive as possible so why
0: that's the other thing with interview questions is you can't really be honest because if they ask you like oh does that sound like something you're interested in or would you like to do something like that you just have to say yes because you're not going to be like oh that pivotal part of the job that i'm here to apply for not interested thing. <laughs> You could just get pushed into answering, like, my friend Sarah said she was applying for this job related to politics, lobbying for medical rights, I think it was. And they were like, would you be willing to wash dishes and make coffee in the office kitchen? And she was like, um. Sign me up. Okay. Say less. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we not all wash our own dishes because we are adults? <laughs> What are you supposed to say to that? No. You're
1: supposed to say, say less. I'm there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can I wash some dishes right now? Do you want to watch my technique? We can have a practical interview it's just and the thing
1: is for me in particular i feel like i get so easily thrown off guard in these situations when i'm asked kind of a goofy question in an interview that it's like you know how on zoom to always bring it back to zoom you have a little lag sometimes i feel like my brain is lagging when Mm -hmm. i'm asked those types of questions and i kind of sit there like frozen for a second and i'm like hmm (laughs) what, what what color am i not really sure
0: think that brings us to some of the other stories that we wanted to share that our viewers are not viewers. I keep wanting to call our (laughs) our podcast listeners viewers. Our listeners and friends of the pod sent in some other stories that I didn't even really know how to group them together because they're just so (laughs) ma'am inducing that I'm like, I don't have anything to say other than ma'am to that. So Katya also told us that she was applying for a position to write for a blog with the women's leadership group. Mm -hmm. And they said, please don't write anything about people who have experienced discrimination and don't say the word marginalized which is, what does
1: that have? That- I, I was going to say, when I read that, I thought, where on earth does this group come from? And in those cases, it's so hard too, because like we talked about earlier, if they ask you a question and the answer is obviously no, but you have to pretend like, yes, I am completely willing to do that task that should not be a part of this job. If you're in an interview and they're telling you something like that, like, oh, you can't reference words like marginalization or discrimination, I feel like you'd have to just walk out and be like, I'm sorry, I this is a paradigm is not appropriate goodbye
0: yeah you would end that interview and be like mm, if they send me enough, offer I'm gonna kindly reject because what is the point it's of that it's just
1: oh that's so frustrating poor Katya we also had one from another friend of the pod Abby not this Abby but a different Abby where she said she had an interview in which she was told we would hire you if we had the money so my question is why did the interview happen if they didn't
0: why did the job posting happen
1: <laughs> <laughs> my question is how did we get there? I, I simply don't that know. That is
0: the definition of wasting my time. How is that okay? Part
1: of me wants to be like, okay, the silver lining to this is at least we get experience, but just no, just just flat out no. There's, we don't have time as money. It, it really is. We can't waste people's time like this.
0: What's surprising to me about this too is this was also a waste of that recruiter's time. Why did they do this? If we as a job applicant are just supposed to accept every imposition of our time and disrespectful thing that happens about not getting prompt rejection letters or not getting rejected in letters at all, they just ghost you because the business has to save money because they don't have time to spend on all of these activities or we need to send a bot to do it because we can't pay a person to do it. If we're just supposed to accept all of that because it saves money, why did this person who? Does doesn't have money to hire someone, post a job, and then take the time to interview Abby and waste her time and get her hopes
1: up for nothing. One of my friends recently got hired for something and they were like, we have funding for this. And then three months after leading on all of these people and being like, when we said we had funding, we meant we were in the process of getting funding and that funding is definitely coming. Last week, they were like, we actually have no funding for you we're so sorry and this was after literally maybe two to three months and obviously people have been putting off other job offers that they get because they're intrigued by this opportunity and the funding's just about there like it's almost coming no it's not there's no money.
0: Well and I have friends from school who had already accepted full-time job offers and then obviously with the whole global pandemic that sort of upset the business's plans and as awful as it is to have a job offer rescinded not because you are not qualified or anything but because organization just doesn't have the money to pay you anymore. I feel like that has to be something where you have to tell people so promptly and do everything that you can to help connect them to somewhere else because if they think they have a job waiting for them or they I think they have the paid internship waiting for them. Why would they be actively searching and applying for other things? They wouldn't Yeah,
1: be. I think especially right now, I hope that individuals that are leading application processes or interviewing people as always, but especially in the coming years, when they look at summer of 2020 and probably summer of 2021 too, recognize that if people did not have employment, they very well could have had employment that fell throughout the last possible second or, yeah. you know, that fell through immediately after it had started and then were unable to find something else in the blink of an eye. I feel like I got really lucky last summer because I did have an internship lined up, but I mean obviously it did have to be canceled like it wasn't really possible to do virtually, but we were told really really promptly, which left me I felt like plenty of time to go and find something else in the meantime. But it could have just as easily not happened that way. Always, but especially now, I feel like people really deserve to have that and you know, deserve to be given the benefit of the doubt. For sure. Another thing that happened to one of my friends, Karen. She was a first in anthropology and she sees a posting for a fellowship in research and the words PhD don't appear in the application anywhere but it's actually just for PhD students she sent in her CV, she sent in her cover letter, her CV makes it pretty clear that she is a first year undergraduate and probably in her second month of first year, clearly nobody read read her stuff because they invite her right in for an interview and she's like I walked in and the people said wow they're getting younger and younger and she's
0: like am That's an odd thing to say. That's a
1: really odd thing to say. And she sits down and they're talking about all these anthropological whatever concepts. And at the end, they're like, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your thesis? And in Quebec, in Canada, there's a part of schooling that comes between high school and university called CEJEP, which is kind of like your senior year of high school and your first year of university. So it's kind of like a transition point. So Karen was like, oh, my thesis? Oh, fantastic. I've got a thesis. Thinking about about her Seijep one, and she's like, Which one do you want me to talk about? Pick anyone you want. So she starts talking about her essentially like high school senior year thesis oh, that she God. has. <laughs> she has written and then it, it slowly becomes revealed throughout this interview this is in fact a phd position and that this lady has been bamboozled and when she was on the phone with me <laughs> talk, she's like all i wanted to know was why they didn't read my cv they would have figured it out and she's going on and on about this thesis she's like it's great i loved it i'm so proud of it blah 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 and they're like mm, mm-hmm. oh my god i would be more right <laughs> Yeah, of course she like of course she'd be mortified. It'd be horrendous to have to go through that. I'm just like why and then that makes you question like all these documents that we're submitting are they always actually read no they should be read
0: and not by a bot
1: <laughs> not by a bot I feel like having an ethical job application process like we talked about in addition to taking into consideration like context and circumstance is also making sure materials are thoroughly read and if people will likely not get the job they're really missing requisite experience just don't interview them and tell them why they were not selected for an interview I suppose but it would just be so bad to make it that far and then have them be like actually this is a PhD position and you are 17 years old so (laughs) for that reason (laughs)
0: I just feel like so many of the problems boil down to just not respecting people's time. I don't know how we've gotten so far into this podcast and I haven't said. For everyone who doesn't know, abolish unpaid internships. They are a scam. Pay people for their labor, obviously. That should have been like the top of the episode, but somehow forgot to say it. And if you're not gonna accept someone for a job, please at least set up a bot to reject them. Tell us no instead of leaving people ghosted, especially what drives me crazy is multiple friends have told me that they've had interviews places so they met with someone they talked through a screen Mm -hmm. or in person with someone and then they just got completely ghosted how do you not send that person a follow-up email that's like hi thanks for your time i'm sorry we're gonna go with someone else it could literally be two sentences
1: Eve has this rejection email that comes for a general retail store 10 months after submitting the application. I think the struggle here is that even when we say these things are super annoying and they really are, not to get deep, but there's a real component of ethicality to it, right? So many people are relying on jobs for maybe not just their own personal income, but for other people that are dependent on them. And that requires knowing if you have the job or not, and knowing if you have to keep applying elsewhere and knowing if you've got to start writing new applications. Like you said too, it also, Gets back to just respecting people's time and assuming that people do need information from you, which they need information from you. That's what I have to say about that. Is I, I I hope a takeaway of this is that there are ways to make a process that is very annoying ethically oriented and more respectful of people's time. There are steps to do this, and oftentimes it comes back to just basic principles like we talked about earlier of being professional and respectful and getting back to people on reasonable timetables.
0: I wanted to share basically my biggest ma'am-inducing story about the job interview process. <laughs> it happened pretty recently, so it's fresh, and it's it's ma'am-inducing to the max, I just have to say. So I applied to work at this school. Tiny little law firm. I applied to work at it. it. It's not in the city where I am right now, but it's in a city where, that I might be moving to. I might stay with some relatives. That's sort of important to this story. So I'm not in that city, but I applied. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, I got an email at about four o'clock in the afternoon that was like, Would you be available for an interview tomorrow between 9 a.m. and noon? And I responded quickly within 15 minutes. As soon as I saw it, I was like, Hi, yes, I look forward to talking with you. I'm available anytime in that period. And I was like, okay, it's already almost quarter after four. They're probably not going to mm-hmm. respond to me again today because it's getting close to the end of the workday. So I didn't really expect them to set a more specific time frame than a three-hour window on 16 hours notice. I don't know what the math about that. It might not be 16 hours, but you get my drift. Like the night before, basically, yeah. a three-hour window. And thankfully, I was free. I've kind of got this informal job right now, but I was like, okay, I can just take the morning off. And And I will sit around and wait for this phone interview, this brief phone interview. So I'm prepping and practicing doing answers and stuff. And at 1130, they call me. Of course, they waited until 1130. Lord have mercy there was no communication in the morning that oh I think I might call you around this time I just sat around and waited and I had the weirdest phone interview of my life they asked me a couple of questions about my resume and my experience and then it was a bunch of questions about my personality because it's such a small place yeah and they're like, does make just want to make sure that you're a good social fit I get that but also it was my initial interview and it lasted 30 minutes which to me a brief interview was 15 to 20 yeah
1: you have to block something like that out in your- your schedule.
0: Yeah, so they asked me all these questions about my favorite movies and books, all of this stuff. And I was like, I, first of all, my mind went blank. I was like, I can't remember a single movie I've ever watched. Don't know what television is. It was so stressful, but I feel like I need to say a good answer to this. So it was weird. And then they slowly unraveled that I was not in the city. I was not physically there right then, which maybe some people think that's dishonest. I have a place set aside. I'm gonna go there once I have a job offer. So planning ahead, but I'm not gonna move to a new city without a job. that seems irresponsible (laughs) but that was really awkward so I was like oh great I've lost it now then he still wanted to schedule another interview with me so we're gonna schedule a zoom interview and he's like I don't know how to set up a zoom interview can you do it it's almost like your professor I was gonna say just like that professor it's like Lena can you make the zoom yeah (laughs) I felt like Lena we're scheduling it, and this interview was on a Wednesday afternoon, mm-hmm. and it was right before the holiday weekend, and I was going to be doing a bunch of family stuff. So I was like, oh, well, the next time I'm available, I could really short notice. He was like, what about tomorrow? I was like, well, I have to work <laughs> next Tuesday, and he seemed to not be pleased that I wasn't changing my whole schedule around to have this Zoom interview. And we come to next Tuesday, and our appointment is at 2. Mm-hmm. I've waited all of these days. I never got a follow up. I never got a Zoom link, nothing. And then they're 10 minutes late for the interview. I haven't gotten called or an email. Absolutely no communication. So I email them. Hi, I'm just confirming that we're still having our Zoom call today that we discussed in our first interview last week. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Look forward to talking to you. They didn't respond. All day, So I was so upset because obviously at this point, I just don't think that this is going to work. This is not a good type of fit for me. But I was yeah. so upset that they didn't respect my time enough because I was like, okay, I'll do the interview, even though I don't really think I want this job. I'll mm-hmm. do the interview for practice. And maybe I'll learn more about the job in this second interview. And I'll be more interested. So we didn't have the interview. It's been 24 hours. This is getting so long. It's been 24 hours. And they emailed me and they said, Hi, Abby. I apologize. We have found other applicants (gasps) who we think will better fit our needs. Best of luck. End of email. That's so rude. There was no signature. That's so
1: disrespectful.
0: They didn't thank me for my time. I know. They didn't even specify what it was that they were apologizing for. Like most emails that are rejection were like, I'm sorry to inform you, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Are you apologizing for blowing off our interview? Are you apologizing for not responding when I checked in to see if the interview was still happening? There were just so many issues with it. And I just wanted to know, at what point did you decide you didn't want to interview me anymore? Because you could have canceled it.
1: Yeah, and why weren't you informed when that decision was made instead of being made to wait and sit there and this again goes back to our earlier point of it it was great that you had the ability that day to sit there and wait there wasn't a different job you had to go to you didn't have a a glaring responsibility you had to go to but what if somebody had and now Mm -hmm. they've taken time off of their other job where they were getting paid actively to do this interview where they think it's going to pay off and that's why they took time off for it there's all of these different things which is why basic respectful communication is so important oh I'm so sorry that happened that's so disrespectful
0: there's one little kicker is that like a week later
1: oh no (laughs) they
0: were like hi abby we have filled this position thank you for your time and then this something to that effect and then this time they actually signed the email with their name i don't know why this email was sent at all because you have already rejected me in my mind the book was closed but now are you just trying to save face because you feel guilty because you treated me so horribly
1: (laughs) i think it's to save face i'm not sure but it seems like that's the the vibe that they're going for But at that point, they've already rejected once. So this is just rejection number two, which hasn't saved any face at all. But it's just, at this point, aggravating and kind of Yeah, it's like
0: salt in the wound. Yeah. But an annoying part about this whole thing is you have no recourse. I can go on Glassdoor and trash them, but that gets me nothing. And it just looks bad on me. Yeah. It's not productive.
1: And it's really hard to publicly air those grievances too because you're afraid of what if my name is associated and what if I apply for a very similar job and there's all of these different things associated with that, which is why I think, again, why am I making this deep? Now I'm going to say like those people on Twitter that are like normalize X, which I do not want to sound like. No,
0: normalize it.
1: But normalize it because we want to be positive, contributing, productive members of society, but that society has to work with you too and create the conditions and where that is possible and feasible and effective. Yeah, I wish it were more of a two-way street where applicants' feedback was taken into account and places almost had a little feedback form. At the end of the day, I want everything to be in a feedback form. And I would like to receive a form (laughs) in which I can offer feedback on... (laughs) (laughs) the process that i was a part of because for these places too they could be losing really terrific applicants and really terrific fits because of things like Mm -hmm. this and maybe if they read someone's feedback and were like oh we have to change that for the future we have to make this more fair for people it's just better for everybody like it's better for the company or organization as well literally everybody benefits from a feedback form that's the hill all day on
0: As a person who has run many a survey, I would say feedback forms can be good if they are used. But yes, you can't get feedback info without providing the form. I think it's important, though, that we call these things out and like, talk about them because not to get really big, but if we don't do this, then we have like child labor or we have no unions and no workplace regulations. Yeah. We have no workers comp. We have nothing if we don't talk about labor rights. That's ma'am taking on the big issues.
1: And we know you're right. It's not as though employees have to just take everything that comes their way and have a competition of who can jump through the most hoops. In addition to being fundamentally unfair for those people, I think having a discussion on it and being open with other people about having that discussion makes it possible to create conditions whereby you can uplift more people into more better paying jobs and better positions in the future. It was great. Thank you. I think you hit the nail on the head, though. Absent those discussions, we have conditions whereby child labor, absence of workers' comp, unions, you know, labor regulations, like those things breed and fester in those places. So again, did ma'am just make a ma'am situation into something much deeper? Yes. Do we stand by it? Also yes. Yeah. Final little story I have to add on to this, which I think was my most ma'am-inducing moment in the job market was when during my first year of university the application was done through one of those forms where you can't go on to the next page until you have completed what's on your make that illegal make that illegal yes (laughs) so i was trying to figure out ahead of time how many questions there were so i could copy and paste them all into a document write them all down there write out my short answers and then. Yeah, and then be able to go put it in. And I thought this would be okay and that I could just plug in random information and random documents because typically there's a button before you submit that says you are about to submit this. Review. Do you want to review what you have? No, but I fortunately put in my real name, my real address, my phone number, my email, because I have this autofill, which I always use.
0: Autofill is your enemy now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, seriously, I'm never doing this again. I put in all these... (laughs) Goofy answers. Like I'm just, you know, goofy goofy things just to fill the faces so it looks like I've got an answer down. And then in one of the areas where you had to upload your resume, I uploaded the very first document that I had, which was a Apple music file of a secret ritual song sung in my sorority. <laughs> um <laughs> It's a, it's a hefty file. Like it's a good minute 45 and it sounds oh my God. like a cult chant. <laughs> I put it in. I click next thinking that, oh my
0: God, that I'm going to get to the,
1: the part of the application with the, you know, more questions. And then it's like, thank you so much for applying <laughs> to the blah, blah, blah chamber of commerce. <gasps> Your application has been submitted. Oh
0: my God.
1: At which point, obviously my heart fell into my stomach. <laughs> So may I Uh, And at this point also, it's too late to call someone because this happened at like one in the morning. So I quickly go up and find the HR rep and I write this email. I'm like, hello, I hope this email finds you well and that you've had a wonderful week and that your Saturday morning's off to a great start. (laughs) So I (laughs) recently filled out this application. I was just plugging in some information to see what was available on the next page so I could draft everything out. And it submitted. Oops. You'll notice that my application is incomplete with the inappropriate file. (laughs) Please allow me to fix it. Tell
0: me you did not say the inappropriate file.
1: I probably didn't say the inappropriate file, but I was like, incorrect information, wrong file don't look at this one yeah and so then I th- this person emailed me back in two days and was like hey there no problem just submit your next one." Oh, that's good and I did and then I interviewed with this place at the end of the day and I was like thank you so much again for being so accommodating with my you know little application whatever I called it yeah. at the time now I, I want to call it a whoopsie daisy but obviously I didn't <laughs> say that and they're like no no worries I noticed it was an audio file so I thought that was kind of interesting and it must <laughs> been a mistake. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Don't tell me you opened it <laughs> because that would have been a really bad look. So now anytime I see something like this, I will simply not be filling out that application. And no, I'm just kidding. I will, but I will take it a lot more seriously when I do my little strategy of clicking the next button until I get to the submit Maybe
0: info. you should just do like one little space, a click of the space bar, then there's something there instead Mm -hmm. of writing nonsense
1: yeah and i thought i was being so cute and goofy with my goofy answers i was probably in a group of people and was like ha 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 what's a funny thing i could say to this thinking no one would ever see it it wasn't anything bad it was just probably like pineapple blah 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 the number two
0: well it worked out okay in the end you got it handled
1: It did. I was just so horrendously embarrassed, but it's okay. We got there. And somehow that wraps up everything we wanted to say about the job market. Because again, there is simply so much to say. Oh, I could speak on it for days. We've spoken about it for literally hours on end before. Mm -hmm. There are still points I'd like to make, but for the sake of of the friends of the pod, I won't go there.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of episode four of Ma'am. We are checking along. I know. We really are. We want to keep hearing from everyone. So send in the reactions. Yeah, let us know what you thought about this episode. If you have any other last little tidbits about jobs. And also let us know if you have any general thoughts or opinions about the podcast. We're still figuring things out. If you have any ideas for a topic for the next episode, we haven't picked one yet. We're open to suggestions.
1: Bye-bye now.